Stuart Holman here, good to be with you again as we listen in at the Last Supper to Jesus on his final night with his disciples before he's crucified. Knowing exactly what's about to unfold, Jesus' parting words of encouragement and teaching carry so much extra weight. We're up to John 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Some commentators place Jesus walking from the upper room where the Last Supper was held, walking on the way to the Mount of Olives with his disciples when he comes upon a grapevine. Perhaps it's a beautifully cared for grapevine or perhaps it was wild and woody. It's really just speculation, but it may well have made for a very interesting visual aid. We don't, we don't know. But what we do know is that Israel was supposed to be God's vineyard, grapevines. Uh, it was supposed to be looked after by diligent and trustworthy religious leaders. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 5 verses 1 through 17 told a tragic parable about the failure of God's vineyard. After God had done everything possible so that his vineyard would produce good fruit, it remained uselessly unproductive. Worse, it produced the bad fruit of injustice and unrighteousness. So in Isaiah's parable, God abandons his vineyard, allowing it to be overrun. It became wild and woody. So when Jesus says in verse 1 here that he is the true vine, and God, his Father, is the gardener. We're immediately reminded, of course, of Isaiah 5. But what's different here is that Jesus is the true vine, the true Israel, the one who actually was what God wanted and expected from his people, his true people. Jesus, and not national Israel, stood on good terms with God. And so the only way that Jesus' disciples could truly be the people of God was in connection with Jesus. So how does anyone, even us, truly be the people of God? Can't do it on our own, no more than the Old Testament Jews could do it on their own. No, the only way is by being connected as a branch to the vine. Now, remember when we're thinking grapevines, the vine is, is the root and the trunk. And the branches are the horizontal limbs that grow along the, the runners and produce the actual grapes, the good fruit. So Jesus is the true vine, and we want to be his branches. And God, the Father, is the good vine trimmer. I think that makes God the viticulturalist. He trims the vine at the end of every season in just the right way so that it will grow strong and be even more fruitful next season. He prunes, he tends, he nurtures, all for the good. But the dead wood, the dried up branches, he removes them. When we get to verse 3, Jesus says to those gathered with him, his disciples, that they are clean. Literally the same word as pruned or, or cut back that he used in verse 2 there. 
God the gardener has already pruned clean Jesus' disciples through his word, through the message, the gospel. And so Jesus completes the word picture of the vine and the branches. The, the branches, that is his disciples, need to be well connected to the vine, Jesus, in order to really be the people of God, the people that God always intended for his own, those whom will produce the fruit. Now, there's a sense in which everything Jesus wants to say with this word picture is actually covered in those first four verses. But in verses five through eight, Jesus seems to circle back and retell the story, but this time with a different emphasis. We've got the basics, okay, but now he's got something more to say. So let's read on and see if we can spot the difference with the emphasis of Jesus' retelling. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the first four verses emphasize Jesus' role as the true vine, faithful Israel. That's why the adjective true is not repeated for us with vine here in verse 5. We already know that. Now, verses 5 through 8, our attention turns to those who are connected to the branches. This is what to do now that we are branches. And the key word here is obviously remain. In verse 5, we're called to remain in Jesus as he will remain in us. Now, the word remain, which used to be translated abide, literally means to live, to make home. We remain, we abide, we live in our homes. And our homes are our centre for doing life, for eating and sleeping and being family and welcoming friends and so on. And so as branches, we're to make home in Jesus, just as he makes home in us by his spirit. In this way, we are to anchor our lives in Jesus. Everything we do and say, our relationships, our socializing, our relaxing, our security, our refuge from the world, these all now find their center in Jesus. In a practical sense, that's what abiding in the vine looks like. Certainly, our affections and our devotional life will give this expression, but being connected to the vine must also form our daily living. There's a thought for your prayers in just a few moments. Just as we're making our home in and with Jesus, though, we remember that he has already made his home in us. But we can only live in one house at a time, only sleep in one bed at a time. If we're not remaining and abiding with Jesus, then we are disconnected. Like a branch that's thrown away and withers, it gets picked up and it's thrown into the fire. Why? Because it's useless. Disconnected, it'll never produce grapes. You see, grapevines have a purpose. They are supposed to produce grapes, good fruit. That was the problem with the nation of Israel back in Isaiah 5. It only produced the bad fruit of injustice and unrighteousness. But the true Israel, those who've been pruned clean by Jesus' words, and for us, that's of course reading the scriptures, we are to produce fruit that lasts. 
So what is that fruit? Well, whatever it is, it's the product of our prayers. That's obvious implication of verse 7. Our earnest prayers answered by God produce the fruit. Let's give a little more shape to this. Let's pray for the salvation of others. We live among a people who are far from God. They have no connection with Jesus, but they don't even know it. We live with family or with dear friends who are disconnected from that life that is in Jesus. And without his life, they're as good as dead. It's just a matter of time. So let's pray that God would bring them to life, whoever they be. That in God's kindness, they would be grafted into Jesus, the true vine, just as we've been. But there's more to this fruit. We are to produce particularly the fruit of love. We know that because of what Jesus says next. Verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Will you pray now that God will enable you to truly make home with Jesus as you're pruned clean by his word so that you will produce fruit, the fruit of answered prayer and the fruit of love.